You are listening to 4, Raw, from 4, Fields of Anfield Road, the world's international LFC podcast. Forward by Jonas Wilson, reflect by Billy, plenty of space here for Lerma, not the worst ball, man arriving, saved by Carrius, needed to be as well to deny De Poitra. Robertson, again looking for the whip, it's a little too high for Firmino, Emre Can, decent strike, lovely goal. Emre Can for Liverpool has caught that one, an absolute treat. Mane, lovely, Liverpool find a way through, it's Roberto Firmino, the queuing up, and Firmino squeezed it in. Liverpool have a second right on half-time, and cheeky as you like, Roberto Firmino has scored from the sharpest of angles. And that's in for Mane with the header. It's saved by Lursley, had a lot to do with it, Sadio Mane, but he did test the goalkeeper. It falls for Robertson here. That may just invite more problems. It's James Milner with a strike. Too hot to handle for Lussell. Salah looking for goal number 26. And to just put an end to Liverpool's little penalty hoodoo that's been afflicting them of late. It will end this game tonight. It will give Liverpool three points. And Salah makes sure that Liverpool are back to winning ways. table now Gary and you think well you know level with Chelsea 50 points apiece Spurs have got to play Manchester United tomorrow there's a little bit more pressure on them now yeah but it's, it's been the case all the, all, all the way along just because you lose at Swansea doesn't mean you say you're a bad team doesn't, just because you lose at West Brom against West Brom doesn't mean you say you're a bad team we're still the same team as what we were at the beginning of the season we're a good side we can, we can get results and like you know the league like table shows we're in a good place at this moment in time but you know I, I always thought that I, I, I didn't see any problem to be honest with you it's just that people want to have the here and now you, you lose a game you're the worst team in the world you win a game then you're the best team in the world it's you can't you can't play like that you've got to just play each game as it comes come the end of the season you'll find out how, exactly how good you are and I think come the end of the season we'll find out how good Liverpool are and I've got every confidence we'll be in the top four And boomeranging right back on your podcast schedule. This is for Raw. For Raw is an official podcast of Four Fields of Enfield Road. We are at www.foresight. That's F-O-A-R-S-I-T-E dot com. A great international community of Reds. Now, historians will probably look back on the um, various Liverpool podcasts that have um, 
taken place today. And you'll probably look back at this moment and they'll say that this is where Four Raw jumped the shark because I played a song from a millennial. <laughs> but um, hey, millennials were all bailing um, uh, once we failed to beat Swansea and West Bromwich. Um, but um, this is the perfect response uh, by the club, uh, beating Huddlesfield uh, 3-0. And um, uh, of course, my name is Joe. I'm your host for the show. And once again, I'm not alone. I have three guests with me. Say hi, Aaron. Hello. How are you? How's everybody doing? Good, good, good. Very good. And of course, back again, Chris. Say hi. Hello, hello. Great to be back. Great to be back by such joined by such great people and uh, Reds Nation. Very good. And courtesy of um, one of our two partners that we're working with, the Liverpool Room, say hi to Rich Ellinger. Hello, everybody. Happy to be here, guys. Happy to have you, mate. Of course, the other partner that we're talking about is uh, Two Red Gringos, the drunkest podcast in the world with Patrick and Phil. Um, so we're working with both 2RG as well as the Liverpool Room uh, moving forward with, with regards to our podcasts. Um, I would also like to give a special shout out to the LFC page and Goalpost, uh, Goalpost Facebook pages for posting this podcast on their communities as well. Uh, guys, thank you for joining me on the show. Um, as I said, it was the perfect response, um, uh, wasn't it? Coming from uh, two back-to-back victories, uh, losses against teams that we should have beat but uh, did not, and, and now putting sort of putting it right, do you think? Um, Aaron, what was your view of the game? Um, uh, how did you feel? I felt good, man. Um, I think we kind of knew going into this game would be somewhat of a similar setup from the opponent uh, from the last two matches we had um and to come out three nil again against them is really really good um i think just over overall we we showed some mental toughness today um that had been missing i think mm-hmm. um and it was a perfect way to bounce back before our next match of course uh against spurs so not much negative to say today man um really really good to just to just bounce back and get back in winning ways I think enough negative things have been said over um, social media for the past week. So I've, let's let's throw the negative stuff out of the window because let's try and rebalance that with, with more positive stuff. Um, Chris, there was a lot of positive in this game, wasn't there? Well, yes, there there was a lot of positive. Uh, you know, going starting with the possession to finally being able to crack the 5-3-2. Um, you know, when Sean hit that shot, that was pretty much the beginning of the end for Huddersfield. They really never uh, pressured the Liverpool goal. Carrius had a very easy night, although I would prefer him to not be almost a midfield at some points during the match. That kind of scares me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, there was uh, the, Firmino, uh, the Firmino angle on the shot was basically... Any normal player would uh, strike that ball 10 times and you'd probably miss it 9 out of 10. He, he hits it perfectly in the right angle. And uh, just the, that, the, the timing in the 46th minute, just a devastating blow. I mean, that's a, that's a knockout punch in the sixth round. Yeah. And uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was really long before the Salah penalty kick that the match was over. But, yeah, uh, yeah dominated possession, cracked the 5-3-2 uh, which we couldn't do against Swansea. And with Swansea's result today, it makes that loss not feel as bad as I did last week. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, Rich, I know in your uh, post um, uh, uh, West Bromwich pod that you guys did, 
Um, it, it was, I gather it was a rather painful experience for you guys doing that. Um, how did you feel watching this game? Was there trepidation before this game started? Or were you confident that, hey, we, we were going to do the job against Huddersfield? Well, I, I was actually more confident um, with the, the match today than I had been um, in previous matches. I, I, I was waiting for, as bad as it sounds, you said don't be negative, but I was actually kind of waiting for the, um, the, the, the moment in which we lost concentration. Yeah. And the, the loss to, to Swansea, we lost 1-0. They scored a goal that's one of those silly goals that we give up. But um, that one didn't bother me as much as the West Brom match bothered me. And to bounce back, as you said, to bounce back the way we did. And to Chris's comment, the fact that we beat somebody who parked the bus, I can't tell you how many people I talked to that have said, look at that blue and white wall. Look at that. There are people in the stands on defense. And the fact that we cracked through it and, and scored two in the first half mm-hmm. was very, very positive, very, very strong. Um, uh, in my opinion, mentally for the team to be able to do that and just cast away those those ghosts of the, the two previous matches. Didn't play well, but it's a long season. That's going to happen sometimes. Let's move on and let's be positive. Exactly, exactly. Um, actually, right from the off, the starting lineup was was a, a bit of a strange one, um, uh, wasn't it? There were there were six changes. Um, there were six changes. The the the, the one that raised the eyebrow. Um, was VVD. VVD was swapped out. Lovren went back in. Um, and then the other eyebrow was um, uh, Milner uh, coming in with Ginny um, out of the lineup as well. And of course, um, Sa- uh, and Hendo. Hendo is obviously fit. He's now back in the lineup and um, um, Oxlade uh, out, of, out of the team. Um, uh, Aaron, when you saw the lineup, did you think, okay, this is rather strange or did, did you get it? Did you understand? I didn't think it was strange. I didn't think it was strange at all. No, I, I thought there, there'd definitely be some, you know, rotation, if you will. Um, yeah. And in those positions, actually, I, I really did. I thought Henderson and Milner coming back on, coming on um, in the game versus West Brom, uh, they they kind of gave us a bit of a spark. Um, I think there's been a lot of talk about, you know, why are we rotating captains and all of that type of nonsense. And you know, we probably needed kind of that presence, and then to have a, your captain and your vice captain. Wasn't the worst thing, and all due respect to Huddersfield, but I, I think it was a situation where we could afford to rotate in those positions. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, again, no, no complaints about it. Uh, it. It worked out well. Yeah, um, Chris, were you surprised to see Van Dyke drop to the bench though? No, I wasn't because I, no? my understanding is he's been going. He's under the weather. Uh, so we reported okay. at least in the uh, broadcast here in the states that okay. he was feeling under the weather and he was dropped more or less because he wasn't feeling well as okay. opposed to uh, performance issues. Uh, anytime you switch out VVD for Lovren, it's um, I, yeah, I'm not even going to go into the Lovren situation, but that's that of course causes alarm. But they did address that, saying that uh, it was a it was more of a um, him getting over something uh, as opposed to performance uh, performance based. Yeah, I missed that that bit actually. I didn't I didn't know that he he was um, um, under the weather. But actually, we do know that the Mati Lovren. Yeah, of course, now Lovren has come at come um, uh, um, the brunt of uh, a lot of derision from fans, a lot of critics uh, for Lovren. Um, but when Matip and Lovren have been fit and played together, um, they have been at the end of a lot of shutouts, haven't they, Rich? 
they, they have actually. It's it's interesting uh, that you point that out. And I think, as bad as this may sound, Huddersfield is Lovren's uh, level. If he's going to play, I do not want him to play against Harry Kane ever again. Mm. Uh, we've seen it. We've watched it. it. It's not. It's not a pretty sight. Mm-hmm. And he, he made a mistake. He made a mistake tonight. And fortunately for us, the uh, forward for uh, the striker for Huddersfield did not anticipate him missing the header, and um, the the ball went right past Hover. And the the forward actually anticipated that Hover was uh, that Lovren was going to cover it, yeah. and he didn't. And that type of thing. That's exactly the situation that Harry Kane wouldn't go up and challenge him. He would run past him. And there, there he would have been uh, with the ball by himself, running towards the goal. And and let's let's just let Lovren play um, in, in those matches and give people a rest. But yeah. we did hear uh, we did hear that VVD was um, um, was under the weather uh, okay. here in the states in the broadcast. So it wasn't a shock. I actually heard that beforehand um, uh, via Twitter from a couple of people as well. Yeah. That. Um, BVD was going to be out, so I don't mind that as long as he's there for Spurs and we can control uh, giving Harry Kane any moment uh, where he can do something. Let's uh, let's do that. And let Lover and play today. Yeah, um, Klopp actually in the post in the post game presser actually said that it was completely normal um, that uh, VVD would would have been benched, um, and he basically said that they've played longer. Matip and Lovren have played longer together than Virgil has played with them. Um, and you know, obviously, you know, Klopp has his own views, views and perspectives in terms of um, how and when he selects certain players and why he benches them. So you know, he's he's not going to be swayed by the price tag. You know, he has his own timing and own um, view and approach to 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 um, the frequency and how how you know he integrates uh, new players into into the team. Which then pervades basically his entire view, even on transfers. I mean, he's basically said that he he doesn't like to bring in players during the winter window, um, uh, likes to bring in players in the summer window so that he can integrate them um, fully uh, into the squad. Aaron, what do you think of that perspective? Yeah, I, I, I like that about him. And I, I know a lot of us kind of uh, lose patience and get frustrated by that, um, especially when it comes around January and I think there's holes that need to be filled, and and you know Klopp is kind of sticking to to his guns when it comes to that, and and I can appreciate that. I can appreciate that. I appreciate that he has confidence in his players, and just certain times with certain players, he's kind of overly confident, maybe to a fault. I yeah. think with particular yeah. players, but I mean, I think overall, um, I, I like the idea that he wants to have a you know full preseason. I was full. I'm sorry, full preseason and get them acclimated in. Okay. Because you know, we have a style that's unlike a lot of teams, and I think a lot of times players can struggle with that. And and maybe speaking about Virgil Van Dijk, not to say he's struggling with it, but personally, I think he may not have been 100% fit when he come over to us. To be honest, yeah. um, and to be honest, I, I like Van Dijk, but he was on the bench, and if he's sick, I, I mean, if you can play, play the game. And I don't know if. I don't know if um, maybe it was more of he wanted to see what Larver could do. He'd been out for a while. I don't know, but um, but yeah, no. To answer your question, I think it's I think it's. I mean, I I, I support the whole idea of, of Klopp preferring to to wait out for his targets. Okay, I'm just going to come back to this game in just a bit, and I, and I and I know I said that we we're going to keep um, more the positive vibe in this show, but I'm gonna I'm gonna latch on to what you just said um, when you said Klopp is confident to a fault um, with regards to certain players. Um, who, who did you have in mind when you said that? 
How much time do we have? <laughs> I got to put you put you on the spot. How, how much time do we have? Yeah, no, that's fine. That's, I'm glad you asked that. Um, for me, Alberto Moreno is one of those guys. Okay. Um, for me, uh, there were there were times where I thought that um, Lavrin was one of those guys. I see lately that he's been partnering Matt with Van Dyke. Yeah. Um, I think Henderson's one of those guys. Okay. Um, so I, I mean, all, I mean, and, and even to a degree, um, the keeper situation that is taking this long for us to uh, address that is a bit of a head scratcher for me. Um, at the end of the day, you know, listen, I, I respect Klopp, and I and I, he's with this team every day. He knows more about football than I ever will. Mm-hmm. I, I I I'm behind his choices, but at the same time. You know, he can be criticized, and that's one of the very few criticisms that I would give him is that he he tends to to have this this um, backing almost blindly with some of these players who, to me, just aren't really um, for a Liverpool team going forward to be winning things and and dominating and and back to those kind of glory days, if you will. There's a few players in here that I feel like we 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 do need to let go, and and I think he sticks behind them a little bit too much for me. Um, Chris, how do you think the goalkeepers did? How do you think Karius performed in this game? Do you think you see some progression there in this game? Um, he's he's he, I don't really have a lot of nice things to say about Karius, but um, oh, really from his time going back to games at Mainz, but uh, mm. he he's trying he plays the sweeper keeper too much for me. He's trying to emulate Manuel Neuer, I think, a little bit too much. Okay. And as Roman Berkey proved last week, if you come out too far, you someone can just you know lob the ball over your head, and there it is. And you only need to make one mistake. Center back needs to make one mistake. Full back needs to make one mistake, and then possession's lost, and then it's an easy chip shot over the keeper's head. Look, he he takes too many unnecessary risks, in my opinion. And he's just, I, I I as a as 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 the the viewer do not feel confident with him in goal. I I. Between the two, I, I do feel that Mignolet is better suited to be the starter, but you know Klopp is uh, playing musical chairs with the goalkeeper, so I don't um, suppose that that's going to change. I, I'm, I'm anxious to see who he's going to start in the Champions League if, that's, if, if, if basically the cup ties are now going to be Mignolet's territory and Karius is going to be the league keeper uh, since we're down to two competitions now. But um, no, I... Care, we need we need a new goalkeeper. We need a, we need a, a definite number one like a Handanovic at Inter, somebody like that. That's uh, you know, week week by week is the is the guy, and we don't have that right now. And Karius is certainly not uh, going to be the you know future of our of our of our, our keeper position. We we do need to find a replacement. Okay, I'm going to stick with this goalkeeper thing for now. Um, Rich, would you agree with what Chris said that Mig still is better suited for the number one? Well, I, I would disagree with that. Okay. Um, uh, unfortunately, um, his his inability to come out and command the the six yard box has always bothered me. My uh, my family has uh, been a long line of uh, goalkeepers, uh, and I know that's strange coming from Americans. But my uh, my older brother was uh, a goalkeeper at uh, university level, okay. and. Um, it uh, uh, that's who I always had to play against when I was uh, practicing, okay. and uh, he was outstanding at it. So I paid a lot of attention and listened a lot to what people talked about keepers. And <sighs> Minule just does not. He's a shot stopper, absolutely. What he has, Carius um, does not have. And unfortunately, what I'd like to see is uh, 
a keeper that has the the best of both of what Carius has and what Minule has. Minule scares me to death when they pass the ball back to him. He's not confident with his feet, but he he'll 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 stop some shots that you never think he's going to get to. Mm-hmm. However, he doesn't command the area when the ball's in the air, and his distribution is 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 not very good at all. Where Carius's distribution is very good, he seems to be very confident on the ball. What I'm confused with is. Where is the Karius from the Bundesliga? We haven't seen him yet playing mm-hmm. for Liverpool. We've seen a different keeper, and he's a bit more uh, tentative, uh, and I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why he's tentative. I don't know if it really matters that much whether you shift leagues or not for the keeper as much as it would for a midfield player or a striker or uh, anyone else in the outfield. But I, I'm confused as to why Karius isn't better than he is. And uh, I actually uh, am talking with the guys at Liverpool Room. I, I question frequently what is Achterberg doing with both of these guys that to not improve Mignolet when the weakest part of Mignolet's uh, game was to command that six-yard box. And that then we put Karius in and you think, okay, this is going to be better. And, and he has a weakness that's glaring. Uh, and you just say, wow, I just w- – w- why, why isn't this being addressed? And I, I just keep going back to is it Achterberg? our goalkeeping coach, and uh, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I'm, I'm befuddled. Very interesting. Um, there, there was <clears throat> there was an article um, also on 4 and, of course, in every, any, uh, other news sites as well. Mark Schwarzer, um, he said earlier this week, don't blame Mignolet, blame um, the system, uh, basically the, the, the tactical system that Liverpool play that kind of exposes the goalkeeper, um, you know, uh, in situations where, in, you know, and they're going to concede. Yeah. Um, Aaron, I think partially you could say that, um, you know, not stick, sticking with a goalkeeper from the start, giving him enough opportunities to, giving enough opportunity to carriers. You know, just then doesn't give him that confidence to, to, to you know, progress. So, what what do you think of this perspective of just rotating this 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 um this number one? Um, you know, even now, you know, he's at first at the start of the season, Klopp said, Miggs is number one, Karius is number two. Now, Miggs has done a lot of things to fucking his part in the French, you know, his chances, and he's not, okay now. Karius is number one. Uh, Miggs has to find his way back, and then. Makes us pissed off, and then there's Ward somewhere there. Um, what do you think of this constant rotation thing? Do you think this rotation thing works for for goal, goalies? I think it could. I think Klopp is probably out of his fucking mind when it comes to these keepers, and that's the problem. He's probably pulling his hair out, and he's at a situation where he realized both of these these goalkeepers are garbage. I mean, let's just be honest. But that's what he has, and I think again, it's another situation where he's strangely starting to realize what everybody else is realizing is that you need to get another keeper. Now, it's also twofold. He sees that now and he also feels like, okay, well, let me take my time like he does with a lot of the players he wants and getting this keeper. Um, There's this Donnarumma stuff coming out, you know, before the window closes. That's probably not going to happen. But Klopp clearly sees it. And I think he's just, I mean, I don't think anybody's surprised that it came to a point in the season where he flip-flopped and said, oh, you know what? Sorry, no, Carries is my guy. Okay. Um, will he change it back? Probably not. I think he'll go with that. And, and you know, at the end of the day, Carries is the guy that he brought. So that's his boy. That's his dude. So he, I, I think he's banking on and rolling the dice on, you know, hopefully Carries can, can step up and, and finish the season off 
well enough, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, to, to get them over the line. So I'm riding with it, man. I think he had a decent game today. Um, yeah. That goal, the one that he, he stopped today, if they score that, it changes the game. Yeah. We know that. It changes the game right yeah, away. Absolutely. So when he does well, we give him credit. When he doesn't, we, we shit on him. That's, that's how it goes. How, um, Chris, um, again, uh, for, for the benefit of, the, of um, listeners to the show, uh, Chris has been following uh, Borussia Dortmund for, for quite a while as well. Um, how was how um, Klopp's relationship with his goalkeepers? Because Weidenfeller wasn't known as a fantastic keeper, but he was decent enough during his time there. So how, how does... how does Klopp know enough about goalkeepers, so or does does he really rely very much on his goalkeeping coach? What is that? I was, he's he definitely relies on the goalkeeping coach more. Uh, Bidenfellow was like a, a trans uh, a fixture at, at Dortmund for so many years. I mean, uh, up until uh, Roman Bürki got there just a couple of years ago, he was uh, the starter for the club's entire tenure, I believe, at Borussia Dortmund. But the the strange thing about Carius is, to me, when I watched him at Mainz. Uh, a couple years ago, Mainz is a side that is basically a middling mid-table club in the Bundesliga. They had a fifth-place finish, which was their all-time highest finish uh, last uh, season before last, I believe. Uh, got them in the Europa League, went right back out. Uh, they're usually somewhere between places 7 and 12 is about where Mainz goes. So the pressure was so minimal for him. He could have a, he could have a fantastic season. You know, Mainz would have a 1-1 uh, draw against uh, someone like a, a Hamburg or somebody. It was it was a good game. Uh, one I remember they went to the Allianz Arena and actually beat uh, Bayern Munich at, at the Allianz Arena with uh, I believe Carius was in goal for that game. Mm-hmm. The, the pressure it's no pressure at Mainz. Uh, at Liverpool it's a different beast. It, it is it we, we we all know we haven't won a Premier League title since the league's inception. We're still trying to get that monkey off our back. It it's 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 not a, a necessarily. Uh, a, a comparison of Weidenfeller and Mignolet and Carius. It's a matter of the, the pressure. When when Weidenfeller was coming up at Dortmund, Dortmund was a garbage side. They were rebuilding. They were trying to get their, their feet back onto them after bankru- near, near bankruptcy. So, again, the pressure's not there. Then you win a Bundesliga title in 2011, 2012, same thing. And that with the team's confidence comes the keeper's confidence. And Weidenfeller lacks a lot of little things that make a great keeper, but he, he started to gain confidence. If you look at Carius... There's no, there was no confidence up until just recently. You start to see a little bit more. Mignolet is obviously completely down in the dumps. I think it's the Liverpool pressure on top of not just the goalkeeping coach and the system. And, and, and uh, I believe, as Aaron just put it, sometimes, or, or maybe it was yourself, that we leave the keeper sometimes at Liverpool out, out to dry because of the club system. But to, to me, it has to go along with the pressure of being the number one for Liverpool, it's, it's every goal that's conceded, people start pointing fingers and they start looking at you. Was it was it Lovren's fault or was it the keeper's fault? Was it Matip's fault or was it the keeper's fault? And I think that has a lot to do with it. Just just the fact that the pressure is so immense at Anfield as opposed to playing at Mainz or even Dortmund for that matter. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm just looking at the stats for this game. Um, another case where. The possession was, 70, we had 75% possession to Huddersfield's 25%. Now, usually, if I, if I haven't seen the scoreline um, and I just see a possession stat like that with Liverpool 75% of the ball, um, I'm going to come to a conclusion that we probably drew or lost the game. <laughs> um, uh, uh, good enough for us. We didn't. We scored three. 
um, and, and, you know, the, put the ball in the back of the net. Um, so it's one of those rare things where, you know, where we dominated possession um, and, and, uh, and we scored. Um, Rich, um, who were the standout players for you? Standout players for me, uh, I think that uh, Emerson was uh, um, outstanding. I think that uh, I was actually pleased with um, Hendo's performance. Um, I was surprised. Uh, I didn't think that he would play that well coming back. But again, there was very little pressure when we had the ball deep in our own end. So that makes things a little bit easier. And then for me, outstanding was uh, Bobby Firmino. He was all over the place. Uh, he, I, the goal itself, put that aside because cheeky and fun and you do that in practice and playing and you, you smile when you score if you do it. And I mean, the no look that he gave the keeper where he looked like he was going to pass. And when you look at the, 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 uh, any of the feeds, there are only five or six Huddersfield players there. There isn't a Liverpool player close except Salah behind all of them. There was nowhere for him to pass. And he, he gives a look and then shoots um, just looking down at the ball. Brilliant. But the, the other things that he did, his movement, where he, he came almost to, to midfield at times, picked up the ball, and it, it, he's creating in, in almost the, the fulcrum for the, for the rotation that occurs. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And um, I just I can't say enough about him, uh, especially in a match like today, that it, it's unsung because you don't see it. He doesn't score three goals. He doesn't do something that's spectacular. He just did all of this really phenomenal work yeah. that created opportunities for other people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've just sent you guys. I mean, if you can just open up your your conversation. I mean, reaching on the phone. I'm not sure. I was going to bring see. that up. Yeah, you just just look at this image. Um, just a shout out to that LFC page. Um, uh, these are the guys that I made a shout out to at the start. Um, they 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 made this meme. I found it really hilarious. There are two frames, right? The top frame with Firmino. This is the uh, the Firmino scoring the, the goal. The first frame is um, you know what we see. Um, you know, with that acute angle, we say shit. That's awesome. Nowhere to pass or shoot. Um, but in the second, in the second frame, we say, "Well, this is what Firmino sees. He sees the ball diameter at 22 cm, the gap with the goalkeeper at 23 cm, the wind speed is at 13 kilometers per hour, the humidity is at 60 percent, the defender's shoe size is size nine." <laughs> this guy has a pimple, and Momo expects me to pass. Ha! <laughs> I'm gonna score this. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Um, okay, now Klopp did say Klopp did say um, about Emre, um, if he stays or goes, we'll still shake hands. Um, so basically, it's, it's him refusing to confirm um, Emre's Liverpool future. You know, he's basically trusted him um, to to be professional. Okay, he didn't really have two good games back to back, Swansea and West Brom. Um, you know, ordinarily people, fans would say, yeah, his head's in Juve or whatever. He's not in the game. You know, you should just bench him. Uh, but Klopp trusted him enough and he delivered in this game. And, and Klopp himself said, as long as people behave like Emery now, he behaves and he delivers, everything is fine. Aaron, in case he does not continue to be a Liverpool player beyond the season, will we miss him? Uh, absolutely, I would hope so. I mean, I'm I'm a little biased. Emery Chan is my favorite player on the current roster, okay. and so I'm always going to be 
behind him and 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 wish him the best. Um, and sadly, I think he's leaving. I think I think that's what's going to happen. Um, I would have liked Klopp to be a little bit more absolute with yes, we're going to do this instead of this kind of I don't know. Same with Emery. I mean, I know he's answering the best way he can. He'll bring up his his um he'll bring up his uh God, what's the word? His um. I can't think of the word. He'll, he'll, he'll. They asked him a question. It was him and Henderson post match, and they asked him, you know, pretty much, are you going to Juve? And he, he, mm. you know, turned it away, and and you know, he said he's handling his his business on the field, which yeah. which I love about him. That's why I think it's so almost kind of frustrating when fans come out and say things about him, like why is he at the at captain armband? He's playing like trash, whatever, whatever. Yeah. To me, he gives his uh, he gives his best every single game for Liverpool. To me, he doesn't play well all the time. But he always gives his best, and if he wanted to be a Juventus, I could I can't tell. I can never tell. I mean, like he, the way the game he played today, I thought was really really good. Um, last two games he wasn't the best, but um, I think Emery always gives his best for that red shirt. Yeah. Um, and agent was the word I was thinking about earlier. He'll, he'll he'll usually deflect it to his agent and say the agent is handling that, but I'm handling the work on the field. So um, I, I I I'll miss him. I, I hope uh, other people will realize how much. Um, we're we're missing if in fact he does go. Um, but yeah, that's 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 the best way I can answer that one. Yeah. Um, another guy who had a, a good outing alongside Emre, um, was uh, John Henderson, the captain. Uh, this is what Klopp um had to say about uh, Hendo. Have a listen. Yeah, we just go back to the. the of course, you ran sorry. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. You just meant, you mentioned Henderson before the second question. He. he he doesn't probably get the recognition that he deserves of, of some fans, but he really did make an important importance to that performance tonight. He was yeah, how, could last I, night. how could I be happy? So, to, to, it's, for me, it's quite difficult to talk about the obvious things. So, if it's anybody does. Sometimes it's important to hear. Sometimes it would be important to write it only. You could write it all, all stories of it, only interesting and the information only when my name is ahead or behind. So, that makes absolutely no sense. So I, everything I learned in the school, no, nothing was from me, and it was all right and important. So um, please, only say the message. John Henderson, a very good footballer. Yeah, he's English national player, and for us, our skipper. So and maybe the skipper of England, I have no clue, but that's uh, that's the situation. How can he not be a brilliant player when he's a Liverpool player? That's easy. And if somebody doesn't see his value, yeah. What, what can I do? Do you think after what I said now, they will see his value then? <laughs> I'm not sure. So there you go. Um, Klopp clearly rates Hendo, but it seems that a I'm not what I'm not sure what percentage of our fan base clearly don't rate um, Hendo. Chris, which side of the coin do you do you fall on, and um, what do you think of what uh, Klopp just said? I do, I do favor Hendo, so I'm on the side. Uh, you know, number 14, he is the captain. He is a fantastic player in certain games and bat in other games. He's a good player. I've never, I don't really see him, you know, even when he has a bad uh, performance. Personally, he commands the, the team, the team uh, very well at all times. He knows, he, he, he knows where people need to be. He instructs well. 
Uh, the team the team follows his lead, uh, so he commands and gets the respect of his teammates. Yeah. What Klopp said reminds me of the way he talked when he was back at Dortmund. This is nothing new. The German media would criticize this by Mario Götze, would say that Hummels wasn't doing this or that or this. He defends his players, uh, always has, always will. Uh, yeah. This is this is um, if especially being uh, Hendo, as Aaron put it earlier, is Klopp's kind of uh, he. I don't want to say he he's he he goes along too much with him, but uh, you know to a, to a fault perhaps. Uh, many LFC fans would probably say that Klopp's always been kind of behind Henderson, even when he shouldn't have been. Yeah. As far as like you know starting him or, or 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 you know putting him putting the captain's armband on, sending him out there. That's 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 just typical Klopp. This is an answer that I've been hearing now for ten years on various players uh, when the media starts to sort of criticize a player or you have a bad run of form. And I don't believe, you know, Henderson's coming off of an injury. Uh, he's really uh, starting to get, you know, get his footing back under him. And I thought he played a really, really good match today. It wasn't world-class by any means, mm-hmm. but it certainly wasn't poor. I, th- I thought he uh, did his job very well. And I thought that uh, Klopp had every right to say what he said about him. And I mean, it's true. He's an England international. He's there. He's uh Liverpool's captain and, you know, I don't believe that he would be those two things if he were not a capable and, and, and good footballer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Rich, who was your man at the match? Any of these two or was it someone else? I would say for, for me, it was Bobby. Bobby, yep. uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. He just, uh, and I think I, I expressed it earlier why, why I thought so. I, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I think that uh, Emre had a good match. I think that uh, Hendo did, but just Bobby just did things that made it a lot easier and, and made it a, a basically a stroll for a lot of folks and uh, everybody looked good and he did a lot of the work to make people look good. Let me ask you this. What was the difference between this game and the game against uh, Bromwich? In your view? What was the difference in the team? The way they approached I, this? Not, I, I, I'm baffled by the whole West Brom match. They, they dissected us. It's West Brom. It's West Brom. They scored three goals. Has West Brom scored three goals in two years in one match? I'm I'm baffled at the whole West Brom match, and I and I'm really not sure what happened. Um, I, I know that. Okay, when we beat Man City, I mean we're all top of the world, right? We we beat we beat the 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 next version of the Invincibles, and we win four three, and it's a wonderful wonderful time. And I can't remember who said it on uh, American television. Uh, it was one of the Robbies who uh, are on NBC. And he said, the very first thing he said was, Liverpool have to watch out and not slip up after this because this was monumental. And the next thing you do usually is you slip up mentally and you fall apart. And I, and I heard him say it when he said it. And I thought, wow, that's a good point. And I think that's just what happened. I think we all slipped up mentally and said, we've got this. This is Swansea. That's no problem. Ah, oh, they scored a fluke goal. That's not going to happen again. Yeah. And all of a sudden it happened again against West Brom. And I truly think it was a mental issue. These guys are 22, 23, 24, 25 years old. They yeah. are all going through it for the first time. We've been fans for years. Some of us are older. Yeah. I'm older, much older than them. And I've seen it. So I know mentally, oh, you have to be prepared for that but again they're they're athletes and someone might say that to them but in their mind at 22 23 24 i may have also said to myself 
we just beat the best team in England. We're to, we're going to easily walk past these people, and I think that's what yeah. happened. I think it was a, a, a complete mental breakdown by uh, the team to say it's just West Brom. We're going to go to the next round of the FA Cup. Yeah. Um, uh, going to Chris, actually, um, Chris, in 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 our group, you you pinged a, a note there, and um, you you seem to suggest that tactically there there was a difference between our approach in this game versus um, West Brom. Was that was there something that you're trying to say in that on that regard? No, I was actually referring, I think, to the Swansea match, not necessarily oh, okay. West Brom. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the the difference between the diff- I mean, well, here's the here's the funny part about the West Brom match and the the today's match is the fact that normally when Liverpool strikes first like that, if it's one nil against a team that's going to play a more defensive style. That's usually their undoing. And in West Bromwich's case, it was exact opposite. Okay. Uh, back to the league games, though. I, I look at cup games differently than league games. I think there's a different mentality. It's different. Klopp, Klopp takes them differently. So I'm going to compare Swansea to uh, today as opposed to the West Brom game. Uh, the Swansea match, had we had we opened that 5-3-2 up in the Swansea match, they would have had nothing for us. They they, they, they would have It would have been... 1-0, 2-0 victory for, uh, for for Liverpool. I looked at today Huddersfield's roster, and you could hear on for our broadcast, they were questioning David Wagner's, uh, his lineup today was very questionable as far as leaving a lot of his top talent on the, on, on the sideline. And basically, it was a less talented version of Swansea out there today, for, for, for better lack of words. Once we cracked the, the, the first goal, that was it. I mean, that, that, that would have been the same scenario last week had we done the exact same thing against against Swansea unfortunately they scored on us first and double parked the bus I mean right. it, it was it was like there was absolutely no pressure coming forward at that point yeah. uh, and why would there be I mean Liverpool's got to sit back there and figure this out we've struggled with it the entire time the club's been there to do just that and today you know once you once you get the the 1-0 2-0 now they got to come out if they're going to save any points they have to come out and at that point, you saw in the second half things open up. You saw Mane getting open. You saw Salah getting open. You saw the the the, the, the Reds just moving forward and and you know opening them up, so to speak. So yeah. it, it's 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 the the the, the tactical. The, basically, it's kind of like this: the bottom eleven through twenty are going to play us, park the bus. The guys in the front from from ten to one are going to believe they can beat Liverpool playing an offensive style of football. They can send their best guys forward. You know, Arsenal's going to do that. Man City's going to do that. Uh, except for Mourinho. Mourinho's not going to do that, but he's an exception to the rule. Yeah. And when Liverpool get those type of teams like Man City, who brings the fight to Liverpool, yeah. Liverpool can beat any of them any day of the week, which mm-hmm. is why I believe that they will do well in the Champions League. But when they have a team that's desperate, Swansea, fighting for survival, they can't allow any more defeats. They have to try and minimize that. They have to get as many draws and wins as possible. Yeah. When they're playing us, they're 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 playing. They they want to draw. That's yeah. all they're playing for. If they get a win, it's even bonus. So, it's 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 very crucial for Liverpool and when we're playing these teams like today, a 14th place Huddersfield side, that uh, you know, I would say David Wagner knows Klopp. He knows how to beat Klopp. He just doesn't have the personnel. Yeah. Uh, it's imperative that we get that that first goal, and that was the difference between Swansea and between today was the fact that that. We, we we were able to crack the five three two early yeah. and basically put the pressure on them. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, maybe part of the reason why um, David Wagner, David Wagner, uh, put out the team that he did was probably because you know Klopp invited him for a tailgate party this weekend at Casa La Klopp. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> assuming that's true, you know he's uh, going to be uh, putting on the party mix, and uh, this could probably be one of the songs that he's playing. We'll be taking a short listening break, um, but don't go anywhere. We will be right back to talk about the thinness of the squad, uh, Sturridge loan, um, Swansea on a roll, and Liverpool fans turning on Klopp. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Are you worried about the thinness of the squad with 13 more Premier League games and Champions Champion League knockout stages yet to start? Do you think we're able to handle all these games that are yet to come? I do. Um, I feel like we're a better squad than we were last season. When uh, Mane went out, we were all panicking about that. We were able to get through, uh, maybe just barely, but we, we got through. And, I, and again, this, this squad is to me much stronger so I'm not worried I'm not worried I wouldn't mind if we brought in a player but I'm not in panic mode I don't think that uh, you know that's gonna cost us anything um, that we are kind of looking a little thin yeah um, Firmino's track record as far as injury is really good to my knowledge um, so I'm not too concerned with that um, it's kind of hinging on that like, isn't it because if he if he if he does get injured we're up the creek without a paddle <laughs> Fair to say. Yeah, let's, let's, let's just hope we can keep it as, at an if, you know. Hopefully yeah. it doesn't. See what happens. I know one guy that's really, 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 really sad that Daniel Sturridge has left <laughs> Liverpool Football Club, has gone to um, West Bromwich Albion because, you know, as one of the players said, if you can't beat them, join them. Um, Christopher, tell us how you really, really feel about this move. I'm very sad. Don't hold back. Don't hold Sturridge back. Go. That's, I mean... All tr- uh, truth, truth be told, and I, I'm and I, I'm gonna finish this great article, and I'm, I'm, I'm it's gonna be a tell-all story on my boy Danny uh, about his time at Liverpool, and you know. But here's the here's the truth on it. Be, you know, besides me being sad, he tactically he's not a good fit in club system. He he was a perfect fit in 2013-14 under Rodgers. What he and Suarez did that year was absolutely magical. Uh, Best, I still say best one-two punch in Europe that entire season. I don't think I don't think you'll find a better one-two combo. I don't care. You can bring Real, you can bring Barca. No, Liverpool had the best one-two punch at the center forward position with the uh, with the Suarez Sturridge connection in 2013-14. But from that point on, too many injuries. Uh, when Klopp came in fall of 2015, it it, it required Daniel Sturridge to start pressing. It, it you know he, he he's not going to do that. I don't know that Steven Gerrard in his book had written a couple of things about Sturridge being lazy and or not, you know, not giving his all in certain situations back before Klopp even got there. But 
Uh, certainly when Klopp got there, it was it required more activity up, uh, during the 90 minutes than just sitting there being a target man or waiting for the ball to come your way. Uh, it required uh, uh, 10 players in the outfield to be in sync, and Sturridge never really was that type of player. So this is, I'm, I'm willing to admit this, it's, as hard as it may be, I think with the manager we have right now, I think it's for the better as far as um, us moving forward. I am a little bit concerned about the depth at the number nine position mm-hmm. with uh, two major, major competitions coming. We don't have to win the Champions League, but we absolutely have to finish in the top four. There's no question about it. When's the last time Ings or Solanke scored? April of 1972. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Ings, uh, I can't. Uh, Solanke would have been... Preseason in the, in the summer in the summertime. Yeah, preseason. Preseason and Ings yes. has even when I don't remember when the last Ings. Two year, is it two years? Was it two years? Are you a year and a half maybe? It's got to be that long ago because of this. Okay, season. so I'm, I'm I'm new to this uh, to this group and I'm really impressed that uh, with what Chris said. Even though he's a big uh, Sturridge fan. Um, it, I, and uh, I, I like Sturridge, but uh, I agree that he doesn't fit our system. Mm. But uh, I'm a huge Solanke fan, and the kid just needs to play more. I'm actually surprised he wasn't uh, sent out on loan. Okay. Um, I, I'm shocked that he wasn't sent out on loan somewhere and let him play a little bit. He would be a perfect striker for us to be playing against these teams that uh, what, how many crosses did we have against somebody uh, was it West Brom uh, type of uh, setup uh, way they were defending us mm. he, he, he's got size uh, he can bring the ball down he can head the ball into the goal we need to have in my opinion we need to have uh, almost a, a squad and a half of players in terms of any one of them can start yeah. depending on how the team lines up against us and if they park the bus it requires a different group of people uh, up front than uh, that group, uh, one or two players switched out, than somebody who's uh, aggressively pers- uh, uh, charging ahead. Like if we're playing Man City versus playing Stoke mentality, mm-hmm. it's different strikers that are going to win the day. Yeah. And I, I just uh, I think that he fits that bill, Solanke, for this isn't somebody that's going to uh, win the day for us against a Man City. However, against the the likes of the uh, the uh, teams to park the bus, I do think that that type of style, when we're in that 70th minute and we need somebody to just put their head on a ball and put it into the goal, works for us as opposed to uh, we've been stifled with uh, our shorter players who've been trying to mix it up and move move around. They've lost their um, creativity. I think that he has that uh, capability, but. He needs time. He needs to play, and he's not going to play in our system uh, the way it, the way it's set up. So, I'm not sure I understand why Solanke uh, actually stayed as much as I like the kid. Um, Rich, I'm going to stay with you on this on this next question. So, again, I'm going to post the same question to you as I asked uh, Aaron. Um, what? How do you ex- assess this level of risk right now um, with Coutinho leaving and Sturridge on loan? Um, having to rely on Ings and Solanke and, and, and resources currently, assessing the risk now with 13 more Premier League games and Champions League yet to start, knockout stage. So v- vis-a-vis 
what our top four um, rivals and in around in and in and around the top four they are doing. How do you assess this risk? Do you think it's it's too risky? It's, this is a this is a a big roll of the dice in my opinion. I um, I work in business uh, for a living. I would never, and I'm a risk taker. I would never have taken this risk to have uh, what we have left. We want to make a run in the Champions League, and I get that, and I agree with Chris. You don't need to win it, um, you, but we have to finish top four. I think we all agree to that. You have to finish top four, and if uh, we've put ourselves in a position of any anything could cause us some uh, some grief here and um that's that's dangerous yeah. unless they're going to pull a rabbit out of their hat tomorrow <laughs> but i don't think that's going to happen so uh I, I think this is a dramatic dramatic risk and the the folks that point their fingers at um, fsg and say it's them the po people that point their fingers and say nope this is klopp's decision i don't know i don't know how it works I, we, we really well, wouldn't we all love to know how the inner workings actually function within the organization mm. to know who's making the decisions, who actually has the power to make the decision, yeah. why we haven't yeah. done something. It's, um, it's fascinating to watch and at the same time heart-wrenching when we end up in the position that we are now. And um, if and when we don't sign anybody by tomorrow, my heart's in my throat every time we play. Every tackle that comes in from behind, mm. or from the side, on one of our strikers, I get a little bit more nervous because we just don't have the ability to rotate uh, enough people, in my opinion, of quality uh, mm. in and out. Uh, yes, we have Solanke. Yes, we have Ings. But as much as Sturridge was lazy in the system, all he needed was a moment. All he needed was a, a half a yard, half a step, yeah. and he could create magic. And at least he, at least that was available to us. Yeah. Um, so I'm shocked that he went out on loan and it wasn't Solanke. Yeah, yeah. Um, Aaron, um, I put out a couple of tweets this week, um, you know, posing as a question, uh, some thoughts. Um, if you if you were to follow all the stuff that's being talked about in um, uh, uh, LFC social uh, this past week, um, you know, uh, yeah, we, we were beaten by Swansea, we were beaten by uh, West Bromwich, Albion, um, it, it wouldn't have come immediately to mind um, that we were still fourth prior to this game, that we were still fourth in the table, uh, still two points ahead of fifth, um, and that uh, people were saying that, you know, that's the last realistic chance of winning a, a trophy once we exited the FA Cup, um, thinking that the game against Porto in the Champions League was also a foregone conclusion. Um, but after today, after today, we are level on points with Chelsea who have a game in hand and they play Spurs next, right? No, they don't. Bournemouth. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Spurs play United. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it doesn't look that bad. Oh, it's, it's not all doom and gloom as people are suggesting or thinking is it no and i said that earlier i mean but that's that's the our, some, we have the most fickle fair weather fans i think ever and you know you beat city and we're on our way and you know we're, we're gonna do really well and and we don't need we didn't need continue and yada 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 we have two awful games and they were awful um, for the most part, although I, I feel I still stick by what I said about the Swansea game. I think we created enough chances. Yeah. Just one of those days. Anyway, yeah. um, 
you know, we have two bad games and all our players are trash and now we're in panic mode in this crisis. Um, so I try to stay in my lane, man. It's hard because people like you and others, that you guys have great tweets and I miss those. But it's too it, – it, sometimes it seems like it's the negativity outweighs the positivity. Mm. And it gets to be just too, too stressful, man, just, just reading, you know, so-called fans just dragging the team down. And I think um, some people just live for that. They live for that for some re- one reason or another. Mm. Um, like five minutes before the game, there was a guy who literally said, please, God, let Huddersfield beat Liverpool today. I just I don't I, and I don't I don't really get that I don't I mean there's so many just bizarre crazy things said and you know and I, he's a Liverpool Liber- fan he's a Liverpool <laughs> fan man he's a Liverpool fan I mean it's ridiculous I got blocked because I said something back to him but whatever wow you know it's just awful. like it's it's you know you'll never walk alone what is that supposed to mean <laughs> you know why are we singing that exactly. of course I'm talking about the people who are that why are we singing that if we don't believe it. You know, and I just, I mean, that's what fans do. You stick with your team through thick and thin. I'm sure there's a billion teams in the championship yeah. who are probably never going to win anything. But you think their fans week in, week out are negative? No, they get behind their team. So I, it, it's, it's frustrating, man. But, um, you know, it's, it's always good for us to win, but even more so because it puts the, 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 the moaners to bed for at least 24 hours or at least to the next game. So I'm, I'm proud of this team, man. I'm proud of this team. We had two bad results and we jumped back. Clean sheet, no injuries. I'm happy, man. Uh, you, you, they don't need much latitude to, to moan about something, isn't it? Because yeah. uh, they probably yeah. say, yeah, it's just Huddersfield. I mean, they're shit. I mean, they, well, they, 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 they may not be shit. They're not exactly um, uh, in relegation trouble. They're 14th. Uh, Points-wise, it's still quite tight there at the bottom. Uh, bottom three, uh, eight, uh, on 18, the Stokes City, who are at 23. So Huddersfield just have a point more. Um, so if they're not careful uh, and it, if they don't arrest that kind of mini spiral down, they, they probably probably be caught uh, up in that mix, um, who, which also includes um, uh, Newcastle, Brighton, Swansea, and of course, um, mm-hmm. uh, we know the Saints. Gosh, Saints, 19th. How crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's good. You know, maybe fire sale. When the monster <laughs> so we take the rest of what we haven't taken of their team. Hey, who would you take there? Who would you take from there? Bufal, maybe. Great question. Great question. Bufal. I'll Great take question. Bufal. He's uh, good. Who else would you take? I, I mean, right now, I mean, we've we've taken all that we want. I don't want anybody from their team right now. <laughs> can, can we give them back, Lovren? Is that okay? Oh. Boo. That's hard. <laughs> That's hard. <laughs> um, something interesting that Aaron brought up, and I, I, I just wanted to kind of uh, piggyback on, was the fact that about the moaners and the groaners. And now, the Liverpool uh, media and or people that follow me and I follow, I, I don't really see it that much. I know that they do exist uh, because you do get the on-again, off, you know, oddball comment. But uh, I, I think that it's maybe be two types of people in the fact that maybe it's younger fans who've only ever known the whole, oh, that's just typical Liverpool, beat Man City, lose to Swansea. And or it's older fans who were simply spoiled by the 1980s era, and they, they've they never really had any kind of Premier League success uh, uh, as far as winning a title uh, since the league's inception in 92. And I think that there's there's this, this like, oh, we're just going to blow it again. I... I I don't. I don't know that it's. I don't know that it's 
that they're against the club. I just I think that they're just kind of those the, the they they've lost all hope at this point, and um, I, I I can't otherwise can't logically explain it. So that's why I'm coming up coming up with those two theories because I have thought about it. It's a very similar uh, kind of you know you you, you, you kind of heard that with Manchester United fans a couple of years back when they had Louis Van Gaal. I mean it was the same thing. You know, oh Sir Alex Ferguson's gone. You know the 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 the, the success is kind of faded away and you know now we have a lot of draws and stuff and and you had united fans who are used to winning titles and left and right and all of a sudden they're finishing fourth place fifth place sixth place and you know the the world's coming to an end so i just i don't know that it's i don't know that they're against the club i just think that they're 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 so they're so desperate for that instant success for like the the you know manager to come in and, and turn things around in one season and i and that's that's unrealistic especially with what Klopp inherited yeah yeah, yeah. hey um, you know when we talked about this when, when we lost the game against Swansea i think we uh Aaron and um Chris you were with me on that show um and you know Cavalier said before the game that it was David versus Goliath and I'm continuing to bring this up uh, this <laughs> biblical uh, reference in case you don't know uh, David took five stones <laughs> um, so he took one stone which hit Goliath right on the right on the forehead between the eyes and he had four, four spare stones left so that first stone um, was landed on Liverpool and now the second stone landed on Arsenal and guess what they are yet to play Manchester United Manchester City and Chelsea. Mm-hmm. So, we lost 1-0. Arsenal lost 3-1. Who's shittier? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, you can't say so, Arsenal it, without the R's. <laughs> Sorry, Rich, you were saying? No, I was uh. just going to say, so the way it will end is uh, United will get a penalty in the 97th minute and score a goal from a penalty where they should have actually drawn. Yep. City will destroy them 6-0, and Chelsea will win one to nothing in the ugliest game you've ever oh seen in your entire God. life. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised I, I wouldn't be surprised if all those results are actually what you just said. <laughs> I mean seriously, seriously. I, I can totally see that. Chelsea Let me just say this though. The ugliest football team ever. They win so ugly and I hate it. I just hate it. What's the, what's the young manager they had um, a season or two back? Was it Monk, Gary Monk? Who's Swansea? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, remember, yeah. Well, well, remember one of those seasons they were they were beating you know big name teams, Man United, Arsenal. That was when they had not not Jordan Ayew, but they had his brother Andre Ayew. Mm-hmm. And they had um, uh, Bafatimbi Gomez. I mean, they were like shocking some big teams. Mm-hmm. Um, Swansea can do this from time to time, um, but credit really needs to go to this this manager. Um, is he Absolutely. Portuguese? I mean, he's. I mean, come on, this guy. He's he's getting them guys playing. I mean, Klukas, Klukas, <laughs> and, and 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 this and this center back they have. I mean, come on, man, we got to give them credit. Uh, he, he's definitely getting them, getting them back in the swing of things, and they clearly are following whatever it is that he's he's preaching to them. So uh, they look good today on that on that disgusting pitch of theirs, but they look good today. Hey, you were talking about Jordan, are you? Are you or Andre? Well, I was saying that. Um, First, it was Andre that was there with them, yeah. with uh, with that with Gary Monk, and they were they were beating some good teams. I remember that season. Um, so I'm just saying that they they had a tendency to, do, and apparently 
he might be coming back to them. From yeah, y- yes, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, so Swansea have officially that. made an eighteen million dollar bid for yeah. West Ham's Andre Ayew. So, welcome to the Barclays Premier League, where Swansea and West Ham continually sell and buy Andre Ayew back to each other until he dies <laughs> of old age. <laughs> I thought that was bizarre. That's crazy. <laughs> crazy stuff, crazy stuff. Oh, guess what? We have run out of time. Just ticked over an hour. Guys, thank oh, you nice. very much for joining me on this show. It was a pleasure as always. And taking us out on the outro um, is a song titled Backbone. Maybe um, a section of the fan base needs to grow some. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> guys take care talk to you soon and um cheers 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 thanks bye-bye flat on the floor of my life the world just leaves me behind i wanted more at this point But I keep losing my voice